Good afternoon, New York, and the rest of our listeners around the globe. My name is June Stoyer, and I'm the host of the Organic View Radio Show. Our podcast is available on iTunes, Zoom, and you can also visit our website at www.theorganicview.com. If you'd like to be on the show or would like to find out about sponsorship opportunities, please contact us at questions at theorganicview.com. Today's show is sponsored by Eden Foods, the most trusted name in certified organic clean food. When you shop online at EdenFoods.com, enter the coupon code ORGVIEW to receive 20% off any regularly priced items, excluding cases. For other promotional offers, please visit TheOrganicView.com's website. And don't forget to check out our contest section. On today's show, Tom and I are going to talk to Tibor Zabo, who is the president of the Ontario Beekeepers Association, about a new press release concerning more massive bee deaths in Ontario, Canada. So first, I'd like to welcome to the show my co-host, Colorado beekeeper, Mr. Tom Theobald. Hello, Tom. Hello, June. And our guest today, Mr. Tibor Zabo. Hello, Tibor. Hi, June. Hi, Tom. Hi, Tibor. From what we understand, you're out in, you're out in the fields. Yeah, we're in the bees right now. Well, thank you so much for taking the time, especially right in the middle of work, to talk about what's been going on. Before we begin, can you give us a little bit of background about the Ontario Beekeepers Association? Well, the Ontario Beekeepers Association is the association of beekeepers in Ontario. It's about 1,000 members. Uh, we're one of the oldest farm organizations in the province. It was established in 1881. And... Um, still going strong today. Well, Tibor, I saw your press release, and from a distance, we've kind of thought that uh, Ontario was getting ahead of this problem, but uh, based on the press release, it doesn't look like that at all. Can you kind of explain to the listeners what's going on? Uh, sure. The, um, the Ontario government is taking uh, the uh, poisoning of pollinators very seriously. Um, they have initiated a pollinator plan to uh, reduce uh, and eliminate, basically, the prophylactic use of the systemic insecticides that are impacting the bees. Uh, however, is a phase-in period, and this year we're at 50% um, acreage reduction in um, the planting of these treated seeds. Uh, next year it will be an 80%, but at 50%, you could consider that a half measure, and it's become abundantly clear and was predicted already that half measures are not good enough um, in this situation with the neurotoxin and the resources of pollinators. So um, they are, beekeepers are experiencing again bee kills, uh, and particularly um, the bee kills that have been experienced this spring are related to dusting events uh, at planting time. The chronic poisoning, which happens throughout the season, is, is yet to be seen. You think there will be poisoning later in the season? Uh, well, as long as these chemicals are used in an area where you will have contamination of resources of pollinators, which is nectar, pollen, and water, uh, you will have uh, impacts for sure. Mm-hmm. Tibor, I have a question. Why is it that PIMRA, the Pest Management Regulatory Agency, is documenting but not investigating the bee kill incidents? Uh, that's a good question. Um, now, the, the pesticides in Canada are regulated, uh, mainly regulated federally. Um, they are classified provincially, which puts it in a class that uh, allows certain uh, users to use them. Um, so it's kind of a two-tier system of regulation. 
but the main responsibility lies federally. The Press Management and Regulatory Agency, which is PMRA, uh, they are responsible for the registration of, of products, uh, chemical products, for elimination of pests. Um, in 2012, I believe, they did announce that uh, the use of the prophylactic use of the systemic insecticides was an unsustainable situation in Ontario. They have been, uh, for the past two or three years, coming to the bee yards where beekeepers see their hive, uh, bees and hives being poisoned and taking samples from pollen, from bees, from uh, fresh nectar, and they've been uh, easily finding contamination of the uh, of the bee resources with the uh, imidacloprid, climathoxin, or clothianid, and, uh, and other pesticides that show up too. They test for quite a few, but it's actually quite common to find them, especially in uh, in hives that are that are showing uh, visual symptoms of being impacted. Um, this year, um, they are not coming to take the samples. Um, they still are being shared the information. The, the, the province is sending out inspectors. They're sending out their bee inspectors to uh, to document um, provincially, but federally, the, uh, the federal inspector who usually accompanied the provincial inspector isn't coming out apparently. Um, I, I haven't spoken directly with them. What I've heard is that they, they, they claim they have enough information on this. So um, now that is interesting. We, uh, you know, it's part of the, the responsibility of the federal regulators to investigate any pesticide incident. Um, they are the pesticide police, so to speak, or supposed to be. Um, now, obviously, they do have a mountain of data from the past three years of bee kills um, to uh, more than enough to um, to move on this, but since it's uh, impacting uh, wild and managed pollinators in a, in a very large extent. Um, but it, it, there has been no substantial action. They came out with uh, best management practices for planting, which uh, have obviously been proven not to be effective since we're getting more bee kills of planting this year. Uh, that was about all they've really done so far is the best management practices. I believe they worked with the chemical industry on those best management practices. Um, we sent our own best management practices in um, that really uh, emphasized integrated pest management. Uh, the first year we sent those in, they 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 were not incorporated in the federal um, practices either. But the second year, with more bee kills continuing, they did incorporate some of them and suggested integrated pest management. The issue was uh, farmers were not able to get untreated feed at those times, or not in the varieties that they wanted. Since 99% of the corn seed going in the ground last year was treated. Um, now the province's actions have made untreated feed available on a wide scale. In fact, farmers are not allowed to plant more than 50% of their acreage with untreated seed. There's no restrictions on the uh, levels of uh, chemical that are on the seed as far as the pre-approved. The, the, the amounts are pre-approved federally. You've got, for instance, for corn, you've got Poncho 250, Poncho 500, and Poncho 1250. 1250's got five times the uh, toxic chemicals in a, in a Poncho 250. There is no restrictions on which level you can use, and companies... Some of the companies are putting the 1250 on all of their seed that is, um, you know, falling into that 50%. So you could theoretically have actually more chemical going into the field this year than previous years if that is the case throughout. Um, so there needs to be uh, more consideration for those kind of loopholes and uh, an understanding that half measures is, is not enough in this situation. We need to uh, 
really take seriously the poisoning of our pollinators. Tibor, here in the U.S., the most recent report was a 44% annual loss. What level are you seeing in Ontario? Uh, well, we have two, um, you know, two seasons, basic seasons of loss. Uh, you got your your summer, spring, summer, fall, which is when bees are supposed to be growing and and um, regenerating and reproducing and, and getting stronger. Uh, and we have losses from pesticide poisoning, chronic poisoning um, during those months, as well as acute or, uh, you know, a large-scale sort of sudden impact of chemical poisoning during planting. Um, and so th- those losses are, are yet to be tallied for the year. And you have winter losses, which the colonies die during their winter period. Um, and they can be certainly related to chemical poisoning. Chemicals can weaken the hive. They certainly uh, have uh, the, the pollen that's brought in from the field by the bees will contain the original field uh, dose of chemicals since it's not consumed until it's in the hive. So that is a legacy effect in your hive that carries on for, it can carry on for the the winter period and even into the next year, uh, Mm -hmm. continually poisoning your hive. Um, So you're going to have winter loss too. Now the past winter we had, uh, we had some luck with quite a mild winter and we've had pretty good survival. Uh, before that, like the pre- before this past winter, we've had 38% of the bee colonies in Ontario die in the winter, and then before that it was 58%. So we've had some very devastating uh, winter seasons. Beekeepers have worked very hard to replace their colonies by buying them from many places around the world, really. Australia, New Zealand, Chile, and um, also the United States, Queens. So, um, I mean, hundreds of Hundreds of thousands, millions and millions of dollars get spent on uh, bees from faraway places to replace the uh, the local stock that dies out. Also, the local producers are working as hard as they can, but they're also affected um, by the chemicals themselves, and so it's limiting the uh, ability to produce and be self-sustaining as far as uh, reproduction of bees in the province. Um, Tabor, you're a well-respected queen breeder. Could you just share with our listeners Exactly how do neonicotinoids impact the fertility of the queen bee? Well, it doesn't just affect the fertility of the queen. It, it impacts the entire uh, colony. The, the honeybee colony is a super organism, and the queen would be like the heart, the beating heart of the organism. The, uh, the, the workers of the colony feed the queen. She doesn't eat the resources as, as brought in by the field bees. The, the colony, um, the members of the colony, the worker bees, they feed the queen. So it's kind of like a filter. These chemicals are rapidly metabolized by insects, including honeybees. So when a, when a honeybee internalizes the resources, it's actually being impacted. If that, uh, if, if that worker feeds another worker, the next worker is taking an awful lot less of a dose or none of it because the, the original intake is, you know, is, is what, who, who's going to take the hit. So the, bee, the worker bees themselves become filters uh, in their own lives or are filtering out the, the chemical from the colony. So the queen is often um, not as exposed as the other members of the colony. What's really common to see is brood pattern, uh, um, which is a really traditional and a really great way to determine colony health. And, and uh, what you have is you have brood pattern uh, fail Instead of a solid brood pattern, which means the eggs that the queens laid are in a very high percentage, uh, you know, turning into the pupa stage and hatching out as a worker, 
you have failure of that brood pattern, so you have very, very many spots where the bees, uh, the young bees aren't making it. They're dying in the larval or the pupa stage and getting cleaned up by the workers with the hygienic behavior that uh, bees possess. It's one of their you know, immune responses. And so it's a, when you have um, a poor brood pattern, it's one of, the, one of the symptoms of poisoning for sure. Also population loss where you have the, the worker bee population uh, dr- dramatically dropping um, is another characteristic of, of this kind of poisoning, either chronic or acute. Uh, in a chronic uh, poisoning, you're not going to see piles of dead bees in front of your hive, but you will see bees around your bee yard that are unable to fly. They look um, externally, they look like they're healthy young bees. They're you know lots of fur on them. They've got perfect wings. But if you toss them in the air, they just fall back to the ground and they're walking around or sitting in the grass uh, by the thousands throughout your bee yards. That is very typical of a you know, neurologically impacted uh, honeybee. Uh, that's another common symptom of it. Um, now, as a queen producer, my hives always have new queens every year and uh, I have plenty of new queens uh, to draw upon. I don't I don't see the, 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 the queen issues that are reported by a lot of beekeepers. You kind of have to hang on to your, your queen long enough for her to, to, to get that dose. And uh, I, I've spoken with uh, one of the researchers who really look into this in Quebec, Madeleine Chagnon, and she suggested because I am a queen, queen producer, and I said, I don't see these queen problems that I keep hearing from other beekeepers, but I, I see all the other evidence that the queens are laying up a storm like a lot of young eggs, but there's no bees left to look after it, and the brood's tailing before it. Before so you're, uh, you're, doing, you're doing your queen breeding in essentially neonicotinoid-free areas, though, aren't you? Uh, well, we do our best. There's an awful uh-huh. lot of locations that we used to use, beautiful locations for bees that we can't use because the hives, the nucleus hives, will die from poisoning um, throughout the summer. And I, it's just I can't afford to set up bee yards in areas where I'm going to lose the bees. So we... Sure. There's a. I would say more than half of our old locations are no longer being used, but we do have a few good ones, and that's where we concentrate our efforts too. Huh. Um, and, and you know, we we do everything we can, and there's not a lot you can do other than try to find places that are free of this issue. But it's, uh, you know, corn and soy are very popular crops, and they're they cover a huge landmass. It's not easy to find areas without that. Yeah, even more difficult down here. Well, luckily here in Ontario, the cities, the uh, the cities are um, they don't use these chemicals within city limits. Um, there's cosmetic pesticide bans, so most homeowners don't have access to systemic insecticides. They can be used on golf courses and things like that, but um, most of the poisoning is going to happen from rural areas and. Um, you know, so the bees in the city in Ontario, are, they have very good environments. Uh, for Do you for think that uh, PMRA is moving ahead fast enough to turn the corner? What's your uh, assessment? Well, they're, they're, they're certainly not moving ahead fast enough. That it's uh, it's actually ridiculously slow. It's such an important issue. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm, not, I'm not impressed one bit. I, it's a, a complete fail by our federal regulators. I I really. I think in there needs to be a lot more accountability and, and investigation into why something so serious has been uh, the feet have been dragged for so long. It's a, mm-hmm. it's really an environmental crime that's going on and uh, it needs to be stopped. Um, 
and whoever's regulating this uh, needs to be investigating why they couldn't uh, figure this out. I mean, it's, a grade two class could figure out that this is a really bad idea to put out poison bait for pollinating insects. It's it's really not a complex issue. You don't put poison in creatures' food that you want to survive. You just don't do it. And um, the nature of these chemicals is it, it's systemic. It gets in through all the parts of the plant, including the nectar and pollen. Nectar's only reason for being in the plant is for bait for bees. That's the only reason it's there. There's no other reason for it. So there's poison bait all over the countryside that we're putting out as humans uh, that's wiping out our pollinating insects. And that, mm-hmm. I mean, a grade two class could figure out, probably grade one. So why are federal regulators not uh, acting on it is a very, very good question. Now, I did ask that question a couple, about three years ago. Two of the higher up uh, scientists at PMRA said that uh, there wasn't going to be any strong restrictions at that time because it's coming from, it's coming from up top. Now, I understood that to be a directive from the the current, uh, or not the current, but the previous government officials, because they're the bosses of the regulators. So, it um, you know, these things are political. There's a lot of lobbyists working to, uh, you know, have, ignore reality. And um, we have a new government, a liberal government in Canada, that uh, um, it's understood that they're uh, more, more concerned about real environmental issues, and um, I'm really hoping that... Um, that change is what we need to uh, to be able to see reality with this issue. It's interesting what you said about the second grade class. Two years ago, I was invited to come up to a little mountain town grade school, fairly isolated, and the kids had decided that they wanted to look into the neonicotinoid situation. So they'd spent the winter gathering information, and they asked me to come up. They divided it into second and third grade, fourth and fifth grade, sixth grade, and they each made a presentation of what they'd found and what their conclusions were. Now, these are grade school kids, and they're in an isolated mountain town. Their information comes mainly by way of the Internet, and they had it nailed. It was no great mystery for these kids. So I understand what you're saying, and we've got to hold these these outfits to much higher standards than we have, and I don't know how we do that. Here in the U.S., we have no one in any position of power or authority who's taken any position whatsoever. You need to have people that really understand bees, beekeepers that are uh, very proficient at their craft on uh, the pesticide regulation boards. I know they're busy, um, you know, keeping their bees, but it's uh, really an important part of keeping bees now is to make sure these things do not happen. It's... uh, there's a lot of other systemic insecticides coming out. They all hold the same risk factor as far as poison in the, the resource of the bees. It's, uh, like you said, grade two class could figure that part out, um, and uh, they need to be uh, classified and, and regulated accordingly. Tibor, I just want to say thank you so much for taking the time. I know that you're right in the middle of work, but we really do appreciate all of your efforts and I hope you do come back at some point in the future. Okay, thank you, um, and um, you guys have a great day, and thanks a lot. Okay, thanks, T-Bor. It's good talking to you. Okay, bye-bye, Tom. Bye. Tom, also, thank you for joining me today and to be continued. Very frustrating. Um, global problem, very frustrating. Well, it seems as though the problems that we're having down here are exactly what's going on in Canada. Yeah, they are. 
folks, please check out the companion article, which will be posted on theorganicview.com, and also subscribe to our YouTube channel. Thank you for tuning in. This has been June Stoyer with the Organic View Radio Show. Have a great afternoon.